This is, I want to challenge you with this question because I'm not moving into permissive will this week, but I want to give you this challenge. What is God's perfect plan for you as it relates to his perfect will? Now, I'm going to say that again. What is God's perfect plan for you as it relates to his perfect will? The way you understand that, the, how would you interpret that? So uh, you, can, uh, you can type it in the chat. I'm not asking you to speak out on it right now, but I'm telling you, and, and I don't want to put you in a situation where you have to answer that question while we are recording the Bible study tonight. But in our discussion part, we can definitely talk about it. The reason I'm asking you this question is, as I've done this particular um, teaching, as I've meditated on it myself, a lot of us, I know I have, I can't speak for all of you, but I have struggled a lot with, we talked about the religious spirit and how the religious spirit sees the perfect will. But for those of us that are not walking in a religious spirit, thinking that everything has to be perfect, that we have to make every decision exactly right, that God doesn't make mistakes. And if we make, you know, so that whole thing. But I wanted to just share with you that I thought about something that seems unrelated, but it is. Is prophecy, personal prophecy, God's perfect will for us? That's a loaded question. That's my next question. So my first question was, what is God's perfect plan for you as it relates to his perfect will? And if you can answer that, then the follow-up question is, is prophecy, personal prophecy, God's perfect will? I hope you guys can kind of follow where I'm going with this. This isn't the Bible study per se, but this is why I'm sharing that. Because if we, when we get ready to um, jump into the SEAL school, which I can hardly wait to do that again, especially that we're able to do it in, in person, we're going to be doing it in person again. But I want you to know that I've been questioning a lot of the prophetic words and things that I've given, things that, um, and I don't mean questioning like, is it God? But I'm just questioning it in terms of, God, how does this prof this prophecy that I just released for your people, listen to this, fit into your perfect will for my life, for their lives? Because some of us have gotten prophecies that are ludicrous, that are absolutely crazy. We've received words and we believe some of those words, but now I'm starting to go back and look at some of those things because I believe this teaching on God's perfect will is another way of discerning whether or not a prophetic word is a word from God or a word from the flesh. So before I move on, I want you to um, just see, I want to see if what I've shared can make any sense to you. Because I know sometimes I think and I'm thinking in my head and I'm talking about what I'm thinking, but I want to know if you're, you're connecting the dots with what I'm saying. 
So I'm going to pause until I can see some, some um, comments. Good, 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 good. Because listen, we've talked about one of the main ways of identifying false prophecy is first, you have to make sure that the prophetic word is revealing Christ. If that prophecy is not revealing Christ, that's the first line to let you know something might be wrong with that word that's going forth. And we brought that up in our, in our teaching on false prophecy, how to, because we, and I want to give you this from the word. I want you to just think about this. Even when the Lord brought prophetic words of judgment, prophetic words of encouragement, when he brought, when he spoke blessings, when he spoke declarations, all of it pointed to his perfect will for the people. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I really want you to hear this in your spirit. I want you to hear it. I want you to go back through the scriptures and look at the prophetic words that the prophets released, even the hard ones. I want you to go from the old covenant to the new covenant. Every prophetic word that they gave, listen spoke to the perfect will of God. So their agreement in the word was lined up with God's perfect will. Are we on the same track? <laughs> oh man. So this brings me to my next point. So if the scripture teaches us, pick any prophecy, even, you know, Get your house in order or this day you're going to die. Right? You have to look at those words and you have to say, how does that word lead to God's perfect will? How did it lead to his perfect will? You cannot go wrong with this statement. So if you have heard something or if somebody is prophesying to you, or releasing a word to you, you can tuck this sentence in the back of your mind. How is what you're speaking to me leading to God's perfect will for my life? Oh, I want you guys to really see that because we got a lot of false, false prophets, not false prophets, I don't like saying that word, misguided people who think they're hearing God, but it's really their flesh and it's really them speaking and repeating and echoing, you know, and parroting, you know, things that they've heard other people say. Mm. Now, this is the other part to this. How is the vision and the thing God promised you aligned with his perfect will? And it shouldn't be deep for you to think about that because we already know what his perfect will is. The scriptures, you know, uh, we know his perfect will is not debatable. It's the things he said that he's going to do, has done, who he is, where he stands, that, that are unmovable no matter what we do. So if somebody can text me my own questions. I'll really appreciate this because I'm just flying right now. I'm not really, I don't have any notes. I have like that, those questions written on my paper, well, one of those questions. So I'm gonna give you those three questions again. Thank you, Dominique. 
The first question is, I think this is the first question. Let me scroll back up. Somebody wrote it. The first question is for you to consider what is God's perfect plan for you as it relates to his perfect will. That's question number one. That is question number one. So whatever that is, whatever you think you saw in a dream, whatever vision you had, um, whatever giant something that you are living by and staking your name on, what it, it is it eternal? It, now this is the key. Your whatever your perfect plan is, if it's the Lord is going to speak into His eternal vision, His eternal mandate. Period. Because it's the spirit that prophesies, the spirit of God that's prophesying through us. We always say, well, the Lord is speaking to me. Well, if he is, he's prophesying his perfect will. Some of us are not hearing his perfect will. We're hearing a lot of confusion and a lot of religion. So that's the first thing. What is God's perfect plan for you as it relates to his perfect will? Question number two, I asked you, was personal prophecy God's perfect will? That's a loaded question. We're going to go back to that one. I'm going to write that one down. I'm going to write that one down. Is personal prophecy God's per perfect will? Is all personal prophecy God's perfect will. I will say this about that. Any personal prophecy that you receive that is from God should reveal his eternal intention. Not just your what not just you being his favorite baby and him doing something sweet and nice for you. I'm talking um corporate. How are you contributing corporate in that? Because if it's not eternal, it's not him. I hope you're following. Another question that I just threw out to you, then I'm going to move on from this. How is what um, you speak, how is what people prophesy to you or, or what the Lord is speaking to you leading to his perfect will for your life? That's another one. That, I mean, we've already talked about that question. I'm not going to go over it again, but I do think you need to Hold that up as a banner. And I'm going to be bold enough to say that all aspects of our life apply to that. Is this relationship I'm, I'm getting involved in um, contributing to God's perfect plan for my life? Just a thought. How is the relationship I'm in right now with the friends and families around me contributing to God's perfect plan, his eternal plan for my life? Just throwing it out there. This will help us with some of our decision-making when we're struggling with God's perfect will. And then the last question was, how is the vision, the thing God promised me, aligned with his perfect will? His perfect will is that, listen, Christ be revealed. The Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's one of one. That's a type of perfect will. 
His perfect will is to know him and to make him known. That's an example of his perfect will. His perfect will that we be one as he is one. I'm just giving you, the, you can, there's the whole Bible reveals his perfect will. We can't just kill it with one scripture. But there is a perfect plan. And is that thing eternal? Okay, so that's where we're leading today because when we talk about God's perfect will, it is whole. Perfect doesn't mean perfect. I don't make any mistakes. It means complete. It means total. It means that nothing is missing. And it because God is not sitting around worrying about, you know, the things that we worry about. He's not worrying about anything for that matter. <laughs> you know, he's finished everything. But when we look at what he wants, all that God wants is tied to his perfect plan. So that means that if, if, if Christ, if Jesus, I'll use Jesus, if Jesus's function in the earth was to do and say what the father said, Jesus was essentially telling us I am following along with the perfect plan. If Holy Spirit on the inside of us is saying, I can do, I can't do anything but reveal the, the Father, or you know, reveal Christ. If that's his function, oh my God. And if we're made in likeness and image, we're supposed to be doing the same thing the Spirit is doing. And when them, those prophetic words go forth, we have another way of being able to identify the mess that people do and blame Jesus for or the spirit for prophesying some stupidity to you. I'm just, I'm just saying. Every prophetic word released at the hand of God in scripture lines up with his perfect plan. That would be an excellent Bible study. It would be, and I've been studying some interesting things in the Bible. I'm not going to share what I've been studying lately. And, um, but I definitely, it's definitely along these lines. And I can't wait for the seal school because we're going to tear it up. I've only shared it with one person because it's that intense. And I just believe God is taking us deeper and further in his word. Now, today, what I want to do is I want to look at a couple of things. I want us to be well aware that, let me see, there's something I want to, the, um, there's something I wanted to talk to you about specifically. I have some notes on this other page. I didn't realize I had this. Um, <laughs> Because there's some hard topics that we have to talk about with the perfect will of God. Because when we look at people like Joseph, when we look at um, people who just struggle and have different things, we're wondering, am I out of your will, God? Or, you know, and, and one of the things the Lord always leads me to share anyway, not just because of this teaching tonight is that we have to remember that the world that we live live in is um, still broken. It hasn't been redeemed. 
we know the scripture tells us that the that the adversary still has rule over the earth and that i mean when i say rule i'm not talking about that he has greater power than us i'm just saying the world has not been redeemed all those parts have not been there so and i want to just remind you that the perfect will of god for us will always deal with conversion it will always deal with cleansing it'll always deal with the commanding when I say command, I don't mean law, but I mean telling us what his will is. Teresa, I need you to do this. He And then get this, his perfect will is to change you into image and likeness. His perfect will will always cause you to rejoice in him. So those are things we can look forward to when we talk about the perfect will of God. But the perfect will is hard because the perfect will fights against the flesh. It fights against us. It goes against everything we sometimes want to do. <laughs> and we need to understand that the perfect will of God is different from our will. Some people think that their will is the will of God. Well, if your life does not bear the fruit, it's probably not lining up with God. If you are, are confused, if you are in a place of tremendous chaos, if you are unsubmitted, if you're not teachable, if, you know, we have to look at all of this. So a lot of times if we're out of order, we cannot expect to be in the perfect will of God. If you're not doing what you're supposed to be at, doing at home with your family and your kids, you know, we have a lot to look at. I'm in the perfect will of God. Not really. You're in your own will. You're in your own will. And if you're married, y'all really know what this means. Or if you've been married, you can understand what that looks like a little bit more because there's no test like marriage. <laughs> I always tell people that. Marriage is good. I'm not saying it's bad, but there are times when you will be tested. You know, you'll be tested in your finances in your family. Or are you sharing? <laughs> I'm just giving you some simple stuff. Or are you as selfish as you can be? You know, are you um, forgiving of your spouse and vice versa? Or are you patient with one another? So we have to look at what's perfect. Because remember, marriage is the epitome of the church. So everything Christ did on the cross, sometimes we have to figure out how to do that for one another in marriage. Not hanging ourselves on a tree, not putting up with abuse, but basically being in a place where our will is being turned, our compassion is being turned to the compassion of Christ. Oh, well, I want to show you something because it's a scripture that people abuse all the time. And then after I show you this, I think I've given you enough. Um, we're going to move forward. Let me find out where it is first. So just give me a minute. I think it may be here. If I have the wrong. Oh, yeah, it's here. So hopefully you can see my screen. Let me close this and close that. Um, you know, I'm going to take you all through one of my favorite passages tonight um, of the Bible. Well, one of my favorite passages I like to fight people with anyway. I'll say it that way. When I say fight, I mean prove God. Jeremiah 29. 
And the reason why I talk about this scripture is because people love quoting Jeremiah 11, 29 and 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We see that scripture everywhere, but everybody skips all the stuff that comes before that. So that's what we're going to kind of look at tonight, because I want you to understand perfect will. And I want to give a clearer picture of what perfect will is. So in Jeremiah 29, the people of God are still um, in exile. They're in exile in what I went in Babylon. They're in exile in Babylon. Not going to give a lot of history, but I am going to um, just say that. And so God is getting ready to bring them out. It's going to be another 70 years, but he's getting ready to bring them out, right? So this is what the prophet Jeremiah wrote to them, his prophetic word. Now, remember what I just shared with you about the prophetic word, right? So when a prophecy goes forth, it's supposed to reveal the perfect will of God for the people to whom the prophetic word is assigned. Jeremiah 29 says this. Um, it says, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, Babylon, we don't have to define. We know Babylon represents the world system at its worst. And I always tell people, we fight Babylon, but Babylon is Babylon. Babylon is what Babylon does. Babylon exists in the state Babylon is because Babylon is outside of Christ. And a lot of believers fight Babylon and it's really dumb because they're in Babylon. <laughs> and the Bible tells us that the, that, that the people in darkness cannot comprehend the light. So in order to comprehend the light, they have to come into the kingdom. So we approach the world system kind of crazy in religion. I mean, it's insane to me, the way we approach, we know we picketing unbelievers, you know, we, we dragging them out, you the devil, that's the, I mean, we do all of that to these unbelievers. And they're like, what's going on? <laughs> they're like, what are they talking about? It's like speaking a foreign language, you know? So anyway, I, I just want to just share that because I think it's important when we, when we understand what Christ really called us to do. So here's his letter to the exiles, and he's speaking to the exiles. But look, he's speaking to elders, the ones who survived the exile, the ones who've been through the storm, the ones who lost everything, the ones who was there when the former glory was there. He's speaking to people that should be in a repentant state. He's speaking to people that should be so broken from their place of, of survival in their captivity. And he's speaking to the elders. And get this, he's speaking to the priests, the people that are still making sacrifices for the remnant or trying to. <laughs> I don't know if they really got to do that when they were in exile. I don't believe they did, but I'm sure some people snuck and did it. 
And he's speaking to the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehokim and the queen mother, the court officials, which would have been scribes, I just like to point that out, and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem and the skilled workers, these would have been our artists. I want you to see that. These are the people who bring in the money. So, and I teach y'all that the reason why they kid, they, they um, capture, they kill everybody else or they put everybody else to the blocks and brick, but they always got the artisans and they always got the scribes because they were their money makers. So they had a different kind of slavery. Their slavery looked like Joseph. <laughs> you know, they, their slavery didn't look like them Hebrew people digging up dirt and dragging bricks. So we have to remember that when we're looking at some of these things that's going on. The, you, Nebuchadnezzar would have been talking to the priests, the prophets, trying to get them to be his prophets. He would have been um, learning everything he could from the priests about their God, about their religion, um, then trying to brainwash them. He would have been doing everything that the world system does to us to turn us against God. So you have this. So I'm, I'm going somewhere, just bear with me. Verse three, um, it says, Jeremiah entrusted the letter to Elisa, son of Shaphan. Shaphan was a royal scribe, a chief scribe. And um, Elisa was also a scribe. And Jeremiah was a, was a chief scribe. And Hilkiah was a master scribe, was the scribe of, it was the, it's their whole lineage. It's all family here. It's the, it's the guild. It's their family guild. Elasa is a scribe. Shaphan is a scribe. And then you have Gemar, the son of Hilkiah. And these were the highest ranking scribes at that time, these two. So they're probably all a part of the same guild. Whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. This is the letter. And this is the part that means so much to me. And this is the part that I want you to see. This is the prophetic word. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses in Babylon and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city, Babylon, to which I have called you into exile. I love this passage of scripture because God never told them to fight with Babylon. Not one time did he say, take up arms against the heathens. Not one single time. Did he tell them to do this in this in the midst of this exile? He told them, and what you need to know also is that, um, well, that's not important. We'll just go on here because their type of trouble is different. Their, their type of captivity is different from what we understand captivity to be. So I just really challenge you all to study what captivity looked like in the Bible for in, in this time. But here we have it. And, and he said, while you're here, do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. What? Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. 
They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them. So in advance, the Lord is telling them what to do. He said, one, number one, when you're in Babylon, you make yourself prosperous. That's basically what he said. He said, settle down, plant garden, eat what they produce. I want you to multiply in number, multiply in number. I want you to have many sons and daughters. I want you to increase in number. Do not decrease. In other words, don't use nothing to stop yourself from getting pregnant. And I want you to seek, this is for them. I want you to seek the peace and prosperity of the city. So their prayer posture was going to be praying for peace in Babylon. Right? And listen, pray to the Lord for it. He told all people to pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you will prosper. If Babylon prospers, you will prosper. I'm going to say that again. If Babylon prospers, you will prosper. <laughs> yes, and, and I want you to know that has never changed. That's, that right there has never changed. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you, you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. So he told them right away what to watch out for. This was his perfect will for them. Can you see that this prophetic word, even though it's drenched in warning, that is his perfect will for them. It's his perfect will. Then he says in verse 10, when 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. And he just means the place of prosperity. Now, if you're already an elder, and you're the remnant, you'll be dead by the time that 70 years roll around, right? So what's taking place in that 70 years? They're supposed to be doing all of what is the perfect will of God. That's all he asked them to do. That's all. So they're supposed to be still doing the Shema, still teaching the law, still teaching their people, following all of those rules. And all he asked them to do was mind your business and build the city that I have ordained for you. Oh my God. Then he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future, perfect will. Earlier, I shared with you that perfect will converts you. Perfect will cleanses you. Perfect will commands you. Perfect will changes you. Perfect will causes you to rejoice in the Lord. But perfect will can only operate with perfect obedience. You want the perfect will of God? We need to learn how to obey it. Can you guys see that? And I'm not saying we have to do everything perfect because we make mistakes. The perfect will is complete, remember? 
is whole. Make sure you are doing everything from a whole place. Make sure that you are trusting that God is going to fulfill his word. Now, now we're not, I'm not in Babylon. Y'all might be, but I'm not in Babylon. I'm in the kingdom. <laughs> so, you know, Babylon is around me. I'm in the place where Jesus said, I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. <laughs> so that's where I am. But a lot of people operate in the body of Christ like they are in Babylon. They do their mindset their mindset, but I'm operating, I'm building a prosperous city. I'm multiplying. You know, I'm going to eat well in my garden. Look, I'm already married and ain't having no more children, but God got that under control with mine. You know, so, so we're increasing in number spiritually, you know, and we're, we're doing these things. And I'm not saying this prophetic word is for me. I'm just giving you an example. But he goes on. He says, you may say the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon. But this is what the Lord says about the king who sits on David's throne and all the people who remain in in the city, your fellow citizens who did not go with you into exile. Yes, this is what the Lord says. So he goes on and he says, I'll send the sword to them. Famine plague against them and I will make them like figs that they are so bad they cannot be eaten. But these are... Thank God for the fulfillment and for Jesus. But the part that I want you to look at right here is that all they had to do was obey God for 70 years. And I love the 70 years because the 70 years tells me one thing, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about the legacy that I'm leaving. It's about making a way for the people that will follow. It's about leaving the example of obedience. It's about making the way prosperous for those to come. Remember, these elders he spoke to, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried in the exile from Jerusalem. This is a remnant he's speaking to. They're probably already older. They're probably already at the end of life. So this is about them building and carrying for their children. So when we talk about the perfect will of God, and I mentioned to you how we can use the perfect will of God to determine whether a prophetic word is accurate, you can see it here. Can't you? You can see this prophetic word and you can see God's eternal plan in it, can't you? You can see the same hope that he has had for everybody since the beginning of the scripture still smack right there in the middle. You see it in Jesus. You see it in all the apostles. You see it everywhere else. It's, it's, you, can't, you can't lie. You cannot say that we know what his perfect will is if because the perfect will that God has for you. So if you received a word that said, Teresa, I carried you away in the exile for a season. I had you on the backside of the mountain, but I am calling you to build houses while you're in your cave. 
I'm causing you to settle down. I'm causing you to build the conservatory. I'm causing you to build whatever it is he's called you to do. If it's God is going to lead and be a part of what is eternal. Period. There is no way around this truth. A lot of prophets will be exposed by understanding the principle that I've shared with you tonight. This is it. (laughs) There's nothing else really for me to share with you. I want to go back to those questions that I asked you. You know, and and I mean, look, we worrying about everything going on in Babylon. I mean, we just jacked up. We can't even, we're supposed to be building the kingdom. (laughs) You know, and so I'm giving you this example, but listen, I'm gonna give you another thing. So your homework is you can comb through all the prophecies that were given to individuals, that were given to people. They all pointed to the eternal plan. They didn't point to this temporal stuff. They didn't. I am so convinced that the congregation is so messed up. The one that makes the headlines, the one that we hear and see, the focus is wrong. I'm not saying we don't care about Babylon. I'm saying I'm praying for peace in the city where I'm trying to dwell. And I love when Holy Spirit, when Jesus said, Holy Spirit said, I didn't come, you know, he said, the world is already judged. (laughs) He said, the world is already judged. And when you look at Christ, Christ dealt with us. He dealt with the people that thought they were saved. He did. And then he started preaching the gospel And when people came into the kingdom, then he dealt with them. When the apostles um, um, got people, came into the kingdom, then they dealt with them. Oh, let me repeat those questions. Let me repeat those questions. And then we're going to have a conversation. We're going to stop. I hope this has made sense. I felt like I was all over the place for a minute. Um, so question number one, I'm not going to discuss the question. I'm just going to give it to you. Um, what, what is God's perfect plan for your, for you as it relates to his perfect will? First question. And then I gave you something to think about. And that was, is personal prophecy God's perfect will? I need you to think about that because if you believe God still speaks to us and if God really is speaking to you, the word that you receive will always direct you to his perfect will, his eternal intention. It will always reveal Christ's heart for you. It will even if it's a correcting word. The other two questions is this, 
how is what you are, how is what these people, these prophets, these, how are these, the messages that you hear that people are giving God credit for as prophetic messages? How are these things speaking to you and leading you to God's perfect will for your life? Because if it's not, you have to ask yourself, who's speaking? Who is speaking? Mostly people. Don't be saying the devil. People got flesh all up in them. Sometimes it's the enemy. Most of the time it's people. But that's a whole nother Bible study. And y'all would be shocked how much time is spent in the Bible talking about the devil versus how much is spent dealing with people and their nasty attitudes and behaviors. It would blow you away. How is what you are speaking or what you're giving to people, what you're saying, what you figure it out is, is, is in the perfect will. Last but not least, final question. How is the vision and the thing God promised you aligned with his perfect will? Or is it just serving you? Are you the only beneficiary from your ministry? Are you the centerpiece? Or is God at the center? How is eternity being revealed and what God has given you? I hope this has helped you all tonight and we survived the storm. <laughs> We're not disconnected and in the dark like yesterday. But I pray that you all are blessed by this. I hope this is helping. Um, I really believe when we pursue God and nothing else, that God clears our ears. He clears our spirit. We have a spiritual enema. And we're able to hear his heart differently. And we find that we don't sound like what's popular. That we're not thinking and trying to be great. And we're not we're not in the middle of the circus or as apostle bernard says we're not following the carnival the sideshows perfect will can only operate in a pursuit of perfect obedience that's the better way to say that you have to be pursuing perfect obedience you can stumble you can fall you can Stump a toe, it happens. But you better get up like David and say, God, I repent, not because just of what I did, but because, Lord, I hurt you. I offended you. And that grieves me. When I say pray, when the scripture says pray for peace, let me go back here. Somebody asked that question real quick. Um, it says, Jeremiah 29, 4. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down. 
plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not increase. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city. In my city, I say, Father, bless the city of Stockbridge. Lord, meet the leaders in their place of leadership. You know, you bless the city. God, let your will be done. God's will can be done through people that, that, that aren't even saved. We can pray for that. You seek the peace because the scripture says when the city you are in prospers, you will prosper. But what we be doing? Uh-huh. That's why they're happening to them. So not realizing you cursing your own self. So we, you know, we got to change some of this stuff. We got to stop listening to what people say and start listening to themes in the scripture. This is a theme. This isn't just one spot that you're going to see this in. You can pattern this out throughout the scripture. That's how I base truth. That's how I base truth and what God is emphasizing. And um, so, listen, our foundation scripture has been Romans 12. I really, in order to really grasp what we talked about tonight, you need to go back and listen to the first teaching we did on um, the perfect will of God. You really need to do that. And I, you know, really, I'm just going to just strongly say you probably don't want to show up on Sunday without having that teaching in your in your reservoir so i'm i want you there on sunday i'm not saying don't come but if you want to avoid confusion and um not have clarity you need to listen to that teaching so um la if there's anything you have to say i'm gonna give everybody an opportunity to, to talk father i just pray in the name of jesus that confusion does not come based on what was shared tonight that there is clarity, that there is understanding, that you are putting things together, that you are uprooting dead and dying doctrines and places. Father, we have even been talking about it in the Scribal Prophets group, how the law, the scripture itself says the law is useless in light of the goodness we have in Christ. All the feasts, all the festivals, all the rituals are in Christ Jesus. If only we could embrace the truth of your word. So Father, I just pray that we come out of Judaism and we come fully into the kingdom in the name of Jesus. I pray for you because some of you are so bound in Judaism. I used to be, but God has set me free. I don't try to mix covenants anymore. I know I understand if somebody gave me a 2022 vehicle, I'm not going to go back and keep trying to get that 2015. <laughs> Would you? But we do it every day in the church. We do it every day. Every day. Um, I'm so glad, Evelyn, I see your um, comment, but I'm going to stop recording so we can um, have a talk if you have questions or comments. And I'm going to try to make this where 
Yeah, so you, you're free to unmute yourselves, I think. Apostle? Yes. Mm-hmm. Bless you and, and everyone online. Apostle, the reason this has blown me away is because based on the scripture, Jeremiah, the 70 years, if that's what the perfect will of God was, so does that mean that the perfect will of God is simpler than what we make it out to be. In other words, I'm here trying to chase so much down when really I'm just supposed to convert, let God change me, become Christ-minded, Christ-like. And in addition, I'm supposed to also just leave a legacy. In other words, my the perfect will of God in my life should be what can I do for God that will leave a remembrance of him, right? Apostle, is that what you're pretty trying much. to Pretty much. It's pretty much. It's that simple. Um, I, you know, you know, I don't know. I know I can only speak for myself. And I've always, I've never been a person that, um, God is given 50 pages about the next 20 years. I literally live, but apostolically, <laughs> I live each day basically just trusting what's next. I don't really, um, I, I mean, and, I, and I, I'm glad, that doesn't mean I don't plan. I'm not talking about blowing in the wind, but I'm not obsessing over my destiny. Right, Okay. So the culture of religion, especially in the prophetic church, causes people to be obsessive over prophetic words. Yes, yes. That's why I don't, me personally, unless I'm raising people up, I do not prophesy callings. And, um, you know, unless they're mentoring with me or people that I am actually a leader of, I will not affirm callings of people that don't really connect. I can't do it because that's very dangerous because you can't guide it when they're beginning and they're learning. And um, let's see.